Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we're going to be having our minute on innovation with Christina Sikiotis. We're also chatting with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre about the challenges of running a family business. But right now we're going to cross over to Priority Management have a chat with Mario Haluvis about are you efficient or effective? Good afternoon, Mario. Hey, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you very much for joining us. Um, You're welcome. Well, firstly, can you tell us what the difference is between being efficient and being effective? Absolutely. Yeah, they're two terms that are often banded around in the workplace these days, you know, whether you're efficient or effective. And if we're going to define the two of them, I'd probably say to you that efficiency looks at performing in your best possible manner, trying to do the most work in the least amount of time or effort. So that's been efficient. Mm. As opposed to effective, we're looking at getting the most dramatic results and achieving the results that are aligned with your long-term strategic goals. So we're talking about doing the right work as opposed to just doing the work right. Yeah, I've often heard that comment. So, so does that mean that efficient people are more productive because they get more work done? Well, Julian, not necessarily. What it means is that efficient people get more work done, and you'll often find with someone who's efficient, they'll often have a long to-do list, and they'll get through it fairly quickly. But I suppose the question we need to ask is, are they working on the right jobs that are aligning to their company's strategic goals or visions and their bigger objectives? So just to get more work done and get through a list doesn't mean you're achieving the results that are going to lead to you know, your long-term goals or more productivity, for that matter. So uh, why should businesses then be concerned with monitoring efficiency rather than effectiveness? Well, traditionally, if you look at business, and we we go back to the era of manufacturing where we had, say, Henry Ford and the production line of, say, vehicles and cars, efficiency was one of the key indicators that they used to measure, you know, their performance. So it was like you're on the production line, you do your role really well, and you get through it really quickly. But these days, what we've got to look at is not only are we getting through the task quickly, but are we doing the right ones, and is it aligning with our bigger goals? You know, we've got more choices. Consumers have got more choices these days. There's more competition. So it's not just getting through your daily work. It's actually saying, I'm getting through my work, but I'm working on the right stuff and I'm getting the results that I need as well as my company needs. So it's important that we look at those, both of those. So I presume that effectiveness is, is more important for success then? Um, it can be. Like, it's great to be effectiveness will give you the results and it will give you success. But the question you've got to ask is, at what cost? So you've really got to look at aligning the level of efficiency with your effectiveness. For example, like your day-to-day running of your business and some of those mundane processes that we've got to do or dealing with some of these issues that come up, they've got to be dealt with efficiently. But then we've also got to allow some time so we're working on the long-term strategic goals so we're seeing the effectiveness and the growth in our business. So, you know, to have success, I would say, is you need to have the efficiency there, but you've definitely got to be focused on the effective way of work, for sure. So, so most businesses have read about productivity and productivity index. How does being effective relate to how companies can improve their productivity? because most of us these days are looking at being more productive in our businesses. Otherwise, you know, why are we in business? So firstly, it, it relates a lot being effective to being productive. And what we're going to look at is 
been effective, the way it relates to productivity, we look at our business in all areas. So we don't look at just the day-to-day way that people work, but we also look at how do they manage their crisis, are they effective in their meetings. So all the things that people do in a typical day, we've got to go across and say, are we being effective to look at, to increase our productivity? Now, productivity equates to value and time. Now, if you increase value and you decrease the time required to create that value, then you're looking at productivity and you're looking at some productivity growth. But I suppose the question is, what is productivity for you? So you've really got to be able to define what the value is, and that differs in different organisations. And the other thing we're going to need to look at is how many people's staff in businesses are aware of what their company's strategic goals are and what they're trying to align to get their productivity. And often that's not communicated down the ranks. So... Um, it's really important that businesses are effective with their staff and also have a level, level of efficiency. Now, I would say the two are not mutually exclusive. You can have been efficiently effective, and that's what we're aiming for, is getting to the point where, you know, we're working efficiently, but we're also working on the right jobs. So, so obviously, uh, time management systems come into there, but there's a whole host of other things that you've now talked about that come into the understanding with, uh, with obviously, uh, job descriptions and processes and systems. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we're going to look at. You do need to look at that whole big picture around looking at the job description, your processes that you've got in your workplace. They have to be aligned and be efficient. But then we've got to look at are we communicating just as well with our colleagues and our and our teams and letting them know what we're aiming for. So we're all aiming towards the one thing, and that's where we we see true effectiveness is where we're working efficiently in our process, but we're all aligning to one goal that's going to reach us to where we need to go as a business and you know get the results that we want to get. And I know your organisation focuses on time management. So, so do you uh, talk to people about uh, um, the urgent, important uh, matrix that goes around with that? Absolutely. That's something, yeah, I will be talking about at our talk next week with the Hunter Chamber, but I will be looking at the matrix and looking at where the quadrants that people are working in. Are we getting caught up in the quadrants of sort of, you know, urgency and low importance, which means sometimes you get caught up on those things that they might be particularly urgent or necessary for someone else, but they're not adding this extreme value to you at that point. Or are you working on your value-add stuff, the big ticket items, I call them, the ones that are going to give you the big success? So that's an interesting concept of, you know, looking at that matrix, and definitely I will be talking to that. And they're the, they're the sorts of things that come in the important, not urgent, which is planning, relationship building and so forth, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. All those sort of things that we do. But sometimes what I find when I'm dealing with people and I'm coaching people is that they often don't allow time for those just mm. because they get too caught up in the day-to-day running or they get too caught up in the crisis or the fire, you know, the firefighting that when I say to them, have you allowed some time to work on your Quadrant 2 activities and work strategically, they go, oh, yeah, but, you know, I haven't got the time. And that's, that's where we have a bit of an issue is that we don't make the time. We need to stop and actually make that time for it to happen. And then we create the, the Quadrant one stuff which is uh, important, urgent, the crises and the deadlines. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, <laughs> and what are your thoughts on, on, action, on uh, to-do lists? You mentioned to-do lists earlier. Uh, should we have a long really, to-do list? Well, to-do lists are really important. The thing is, you know, we, do, we should have a to-do list in some form and these days to-do lists are varied. You know, sometimes they're written. These days with technology, they could be in the form of your iPad or your iPhone or Blackberries, all sorts of to-do lists. But it's not about just having a long to-do list, Julian. It's about having working on the right priorities. So someone who's effective at the start of the week will say, what is the number one thing that I'm going to do this week that will contribute towards my strategic action and priorities long term? And that's what they do. They look at their to-do list and reprioritize it daily. Mm. 
So don't look at the length of your to-do list. It's important to have some prioritisation, but it's where are you placing things and what are you working on within that to-do list is more important. So you're speaking next week, next Wednesday, the 6th of June at the Business Development Forum at the Hunter Business Chamber. So we look forward to you visiting Newcastle. Thank you very much, and I look forward to it as well and going into this in a bit more detail. Thanks very much, Mario. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Mary Halluvis from the Priority Management. He's the Training and Development Manager there, and he's, as I said, coming to Newcastle next week to uh, speak at the Business Development Forum of the Hunter Business Chamber. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to pop over to the Business Growth Centre and have a chat with Brett Greeson. Good afternoon, Brett. Yeah, hi, Julian. Um, and uh, I'll be gone. It could be a subject for today. We're talking about the challenges of a family business. Exactly, yeah. I think there's also a line that says, I have money too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is a family business? Let's have a definition of family business. Well, over 70% of, of uh, Australian businesses are, in fact, uh, family-owned and run uh, entities. Uh, so it's a very high percentage wow. of our, uh, of our uh, business community. So, uh, And it's absolutely vital that they have the same sort of structures that you'd have in you know, the other 30%, I guess, to operate well. So we're looking at a family business that is defined by the, the ownership, the management and the employment of family members at all those levels um, and across the whole spectrum. It hasn't got to be totally family members, but certainly uh, some family members at um, at all those levels uh, and they're participating in different ways. And I guess the definition of family uh, can become quite complex. <laughs> it's not just the uh, sort of traditional uh, family wife. structure. It's sort of uh, grandparents, parents and, and grandchildren. It uh, can be in-laws, uh, like mm. father-in-law, Son-in-law, daughter-in-law, uh, mother-in-law. They could also include, um, you know, as I said, the, the, the grandparents of, of uh, outside the family as well. And of course, uh, it can include stepchildren or stepparents, uh, and also de facto family members as well. So it can be quite broad in, uh, and sometimes they start out in one dimension and then move, move, to, on. move to an, <laughs> move to another one as well as, as things, uh, transgress in, uh, or transform in people's lives. So, so, so would so, we go around building a, a family business the same way as you build any other business? Very much so, with a little bit of difference. Um, it's really critical to have a very strong structure and a solid agreement in place about the framework for the business because uh, you've got that added dimension of family mm. members. Uh, so really important that you have a clear understanding about where the responsibilities and where the authorities lie. One of the strategies is to have what's called a family council. So it's a separate body to the board that actually runs the business, but it's more around the family's expectations of the business and who will be in the business and how it will, will operate. Um, and a part of that can come, uh, you can have a family code or a code of conduct about how the members of the family should uh, act and uh, behave and what sort of practices are appropriate for working in the business because you might have a situation where not all family members will actually be in the business or tied to the business, only some might be, uh, but they all might have an interest in the business if mm. they're still on the outside. So um, it's important then, then to have a board that actually runs the business as a business and not have the sort of family influences, although they will be predominantly family members. It's good to have one or two independent outside um, directors on that board to provide mm. that, that external experience and probably also to bring some some uh, competencies uh, and uh, into the uh, into the equation that the family members may not have. 
uh, it's really important that there be job descriptions and performance indicators for family members as if there were non-family members, uh, so a very clear setting of responsibilities and goals for family members. Uh, and I guess the other part of it is is to have a succession plan. Mm. We know that 81% of family business owners are intending to retire in the next 10 years. Uh, that's a large majority are going to retire in the next 10 years. Uh, but only 41% of those intend to pass the business on to the next generation. Mm. So, so there's a large slice who will get, the business will go outside the family in the, in the next generation. So that succession planning is very, very important, that people know that, understand that, and you work towards that outcome. So you've mentioned some of those steps that uh, that are, are uh, unique to family businesses, and obviously one of the big, big pitfalls is, is that relationship. Are there any other pitfalls with a family business? Well, there are. I guess they, they fall out of, I think, not having the right structure in place. Um, and I think one of the pitfalls is hiring family members just for the sake of it. Mm. Uh, you need to have a need to have a, a purpose for every family member who comes into the business. So if they're not qualified, not experienced, and don't fit the role, then don't hire them. Mm. Um, I think is the message. Uh, and and be selective about which family members come into the business or provide a an environment where they actually do become qualified and do have a, a real purpose as if they were another employee. Mm, uh, another pitfall is not having the proper estate planning uh, in place, like a will, mm. people who actually own it. Uh, that's got to be clear, it's got to be current, uh, and people should know what that what the plans are beforehand because out of those circumstances, as we know in, you know, in families, uh, lots of disputes can arise out of, you know, um, death in the families states. and that stuff. As, yeah, and, mm. and we know that, you know, business people, um, uh, you know, um, can can uh, die suddenly and, and in, in tragic circumstances and there are lots of things left behind that can leave a mess. Mm. The other thing, I guess, is being very proactive in, in resolving disputes. Uh, they've got to be, you know, dealt with very quickly because they can be, in a family situation, working in the business with a dispute can go into the, into the family home and that really needs to be yes, avoided uh, as well. Uh, and, of course, as we've seen in some recent uh, family disputes at a very large level, uh, avoiding the courts is very, very <laughs> important. Uh, and knowing, a, when, knowing when to walk away, I think, and knowing that family is more important than money mm. uh, is a very sound principle to, to operate your business by. And, and yeah, you, I, I couldn't imagine something worse than losing family because of a dispute about a business and, and money and that sort of stuff. But mm. it does happen. And it can happen if you don't have the right framework in place to try and avoid it. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Brett. And then we'll have a chat about uh, that elevator speech next week. Ah, that's a nice challenge. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you then. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Brett Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre, looking at family businesses. And, of course, don't forget we're giving you more ways to listen to your favourite station on our new iPhone app. If you're an iPhone or iPad user like myself, download the 2NURFM app for your easy listening favourites on the move, and it's free. Head to 2NURFM.com to download. Well, now it's time for our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis from the Hunter TAFE. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, so let's uh, launch straight into the Minute. Well, I'd like to pick up where we left off last week. I mentioned lean management and said I'd prefer leap because lean's perceived as a negative word, 
The words we use around the innovation space, including the word innovation, imply different things to different people. I don't believe innovation has been embraced in this country as a core or cultural belief yet, and still the word has almost become cliché. I think it's because we're using it as a cliché. We don't really back it up with leadership, permission to try and fail, investment, commitment, drive and so on at a cultural level. Of course, there are companies and solo operators who are, as we saw during the Hunter Central Coast Innovation Festival, but I'm talking about us as a collective. With many definitions and variations on the theme of innovation, some reserve it for the next big discovery, electricity was an innovation, the telephone, the mobile. Some people refer to productive changes as innovations, no matter how small. Then there's the term disruptive innovation, which I've also mentioned in this week's blog. It's a great term defined by Jonathan Pitts as an improvement or advancement that enhances, but I'd ask what the difference is between disruptive innovation and innovation. Um, then there's the definitions of creativity, a word being thrown around more and more and in danger of itself becoming a cliché. We talked about its definitions as well as ranging from drawing and fine arts to problem solving. If anyone wants to visit the blog, Julian, here's a challenge. Let's list all the definitions for creativity and innovation we can. It actually could be quite challenging registering a comment, but persevere. Um, as I wrote in the blog, it doesn't matter how you define anything, it's the action you take to make something real that's important and significant and that will make the difference in the end. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, I'll go and have a look at the blog for you. Thanks, Julian. We'll, talk next, we'll talk next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiatis there with our Minute on Innovation. Sounded like she was in a, in a little room somewhere then, didn't she? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've had some uh, interesting discussions there with uh, are you efficient or effective and the challenges of family business. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, I've got a very interesting subject, Business is Business, with Adam Price, who's got a very interesting story to talk. And we'll also look at your elevator speech with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre and that minute on innovation with Christina Sikiatis. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week and, as Pablo Picasso once said, action is the foundation key to success.